It's on Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports from MMA to playoff hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate the pursuit of the cup, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of betting markets for all their customers. You can also check out DraftKings' impressive features, including same-game parlays. Select a game and combine multiple bets like which team will win, goals scored, and more for a shot to win big. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. So go to the App Store and download DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on all the action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call Connects Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. 19-plus physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. DraftKings operates pursuant to an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario. Recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast, the Leafs podcast that is on a bit of a Leafs hiatus right now because there is not too much Leafs news to talk about. As always, joined by Josh and an unhealthy Jason on yeah. this one. I'm, I've moved to LTIR with a fractured fractured wrist. Tough. Yes. <laughs> How'd you have that happen? Non-contact men's league. Good stuff. But men's league and Vaughn. <laughs> Fun stuff. Yeah, so. Gotta love it. Anyways, we're going to be getting into a certain coaching staff member of the Toronto Maple Leafs parted ways, essentially, with the team. Avs and Oilers, Lightning Rangers. The Lightning and Rangers just wrapped up Game 5, so we're going to have a lot of thoughts on that one there. So let's get into it. Steve Breer, coaching goalie coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last seven seasons, has parted ways with the team. He was up for a contract. Um, he didn't have a contract, essentially. It expired at the end of the year, and the team... And him decided not to renew it. Thoughts on this, gentlemen? Yeah, it's just a good move. He's been, like you said, he's been here for seven years. It seems like it's a just a good move for them to separate at this point. uh, With free, with our goalie situation being as questionable as it is, we really don't know who's going to be in the net to start game one. It kind of maybe gives the least a little opportunity to say, "Hey, if you want to come to our team, you can even help." You can even pick the the new goalie coach. It's kind of like when a quarterback comes to a, a new football team and you, they get to pick the head co- bring the head coach with them. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't really have much to say on it other than yeah, yeah that I thought it like I find it very interesting with Steve Breer because he was blamed a lot by a lot of different people, media, fans, everything, simply because the Leafs goaltending situation has been so unstable for the past three seasons. However, like unless you're a goalie expert or you have inside intel, how can you really blame the guy for what's going on in net? Like, can you really blame him for what happened with Peter Mrazek? Did he have a, did he have a say in going out and getting Peter Mrazek? Even then, if you did, like, how was he supposed to know his groins were both just going to give out three times during this season? Right? So I, I think the, the blame was a little bit weird, but as you said, good to get a new voice in there. Whoever's starting game one, maybe get their own personal guy in there. How funny would it be? They go out, they get a guy, and they're like, yeah, we want, I want Steve Breer. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. Well, welcome back. 
the old uh, the Simpsons gif of Grandpa going yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming back, just coming right back out. But yeah, it, I mean, yeah, we we don't know a whole ton about this, and I, I think he was getting some unfair blame in that. However, like I can see why he was getting blamed. The Leafs goaltending situation, as crazy as it was, but and another guy, how is he supposed to like Freddie the Ghost? <laughs> he did it again this he year. He did it yeah. again this year. Like how is how are you gonna blame Steve Breer? Did he whisper to Freddie like, hey, like, like blow out, pretend to blow out your knee and then just go on a hiatus and then go sign in Carolina? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know on this one. But anyways, minor news. Let's move on from that. There's yeah. not really much else to say other than maybe the goalie coming in picks the new guy. Yeah, like yeah. you said, one more thing. It's interesting that like. Leaf fans are very passionate, so like anytime they can deflect the blame somewhere that's not like players, coach, management, they do it, and that's kind of what happened here. Like, if you want to blame him for Mrazek, like I'm sure he had a say in it, but like top down, Shanahan, Dubis, mm-hmm. Keith still signed that contract, yes. so like it, it, you can't really scapegoat the goalie coach for a contract that they signed. So, but it does seem like he's getting scape- or maybe scapegoated. They, I am thinking just off the top, maybe they promote John Elkin. I know he's he's been around the block. He was with the Marlies for a while. I know he's in the Leaf system somehow. Um, just, I don't know why. Like, I have to get it off out of my head, but, like, I, I've been seeing Frank Saravalli put out his top 25 trade targets for the summer. He put John Gibson at number seven. I've seen a lot of Leafs fans putting him as their starting goalie next season. His goalie coach in junior was Piero Greco. I'm not I Piero Greco was last with the Islanders. I wonder, I don't know. Maybe I, I like know. that. Who knows? Make some connections. The only thing about John Gibson is like, how often do those goalies get traded? Not that often, right? I'm just I mean, trying why to would you? Yeah, that's the point. You lo- literally search to get that goalie. You draft them. You develop them. You signed them. You're in a non-main market. You're coming off of years of lost revenue. You have an up-and-coming team. Like Trevor Zegras showed, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Like they have some young guys on the up and up. They they finished just out, they were just outside of the playoffs like a good chunk of the way through the year. I think this year they're really going to push for the playoffs. And in my opinion, why would you give up John Gibson to do so? Yeah, like people, it's like he 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 would be what you'd look for right when you trade him. Exactly. You'd be like, okay, we just traded Gibson. Like, all right, who's our next Gibson? That's kind of like what they unless do they with, think Stolars is, which yeah, I, w- I, I would that'd be a big risk. No, 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 but. We'll see. Stolers did have finished the season, fun fact, with a higher save percentage than John Gibson. Yeah. But Gibson was an all-star. You got to take some of Gibson's stats with a grain of salt. Here. Like, yeah. The team was really bad down the stretch. Like, they traded Lindholm and they probably traded Raquel. Fully into it. That's what I'm saying. Too. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Moving on. Avs Oilers, shall we? What a series, eh, boys? That was a lot of fun. Sucks it only went to four, though. Yeah. I mean, game one, like, game one started off with a bang. Like, when it went down, I know we didn't get to watch it live, but when it went down 7-3 and then just to have it come back to 7-6 like that, like, but it was more of that moving forward. Are you okay over there? I only got one arm. I know. That's true. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I have to type, too. It's hard. (laughs) Oh, you are type. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. None of us are. But anyways. Moving forward, yeah, games two through four for the Avs Oilers. I mean, it was so fast paced. I just absolutely I loved seeing one shift McDavid get the puck, 
rush, make a rush up the ice, and then another shift, like the next shift, McKinnon get the puck. It's another rush up the ice. Drysaddle touching the like McCarr touching the puck. You had so many guys that even when they're not like scoring or making a big play, so many guys on the Avs and Oilers when they just simply touch the puck, it's entertaining. And I always go back. There was a Michael Bublé interview on um, what's his name? He's on at eleven a.m. Uh, on Fox Radio. They broadcasted on TSN. Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. Michael Bublé was on Dan Patrick, and Bublé is a Vancouver Canucks fan. And he described just watching Pavel Bure play hockey. And he's like, when this guy touched the puck, it was like watching a, a horse race. Like that's what it's like watching McDavid, McKinnon. Makar, like even Drysidle is on Drysidle on one leg was still absolutely electric. But I don't know if you guys had any more specifics, but like it's just well, to watch just them. the difference between watching that and then watching Tampa and New York. Like Tampa's clearly like bought into their low event. We like we're kind of mm-hmm. better than you defensively, so we're gonna grind out every team that they play, especially once they lost point. Once they lost point, that kind of seems to change their style, but. As we talked about last year and the year before, Tampa has this great ability with their roster. They can play any style. Mm-hmm. They can play run and gun, but guess what? They can also slow that game down. And that's what we're watching. Like these games against New York have I've seen a lot of people saying this has not been that entertaining hockey. Like, yeah, compared really? yeah, compared to the Avalanche and Oilers, yeah. I agree. Because those are like five forwards, whatever mm-hmm. the score was. It was insane. A seven and a half total for a hockey game. I've never seen that in my life. But yeah. It's just cool. You have two different styles of hockey. It's a shame that the Leafs don't play in the West. That's what I watch and see. Like, <laughs> wow, imagine like Nylander in that series. Ooh. Like, you know, but it was a lot of fun. The better team clearly won. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I said to you guys, the first playoff game, yeah, I don't know if you remember, I said, the Avs rush offense is too good. They're 100% going to win the cup. You guys are like, no, well, last year they blew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. The, how many games they lost? Two, the whole playoffs? I yeah. think so. Oh, yeah, because they have two sweeps in there as well. And as yep. good as Tampa is, it's going to be a great clash of style. Yeah. But the only thing that's really affecting Colorado now is the injury bug. Yeah, that's true. Because Nachushkin's out, right? And is he? Kadri. Kadri well, I don't know is. If I, I think Kadri's, Kadri's out. Landeskog was banged up at the end of the game. Obviously, they're already missing Sam Girard. So, like, mm-hmm. they have significant injury. Yep. But Bowen Byram stepping yeah, in. Yeah, he's great. He's been stepping in very nicely. He's another really, really good defenseman. There were some worries on him. I remember just because concussions, smaller guy, he had been banged around. Like the concussions was a really, really big one. But giving him that uh, that increased assignment, a smaller defenseman in the playoffs too. They don't have many big D on that Colorado Avalanche team. And him, him being able to ev- elevate his game like he has has been really, really cool. Just... I mean, the stats are incredible of what Colorado's defensemen can do with the puck. Like, they, they break out the puck like no other. I think it was, what is it, McCarr's breakout percentage is, what, 75%? Like, yeah, unheard high. of high. Crazy high, yeah. But, yeah. When you look at it, it was a shutdown line on Twitter. Did a good job of summarizing everything. He said, like, the Oilers were heavily outplayed in this series. But game four, they really did elevate their game, and they mm-hmm. tr- they kind of chipped away. So the the final stats don't look as bad as what it actually was. But like the Avalanche were effectively able to shut down McDavid and and uh, Drysaddle for yeah. several games. Yeah. Of this yeah, for sure. And like you said, like 
Makar and Byram, that's what's put this team over the Taves top. Taves, too. Taves, too. But these are, like, they got lucky, really, because in the heart of having McKinnon, then Rantanen was just starting, and they had Landeskog. They sucked one year, and they had a top-five mm-hmm. pick, and they took Kale McCarr. And then again, you know. They sucked that year. Then that led them to trading Matt Duchesne. Exactly. And, and that, then they got another a, top four pick. Which ended up being Bowen Byram. They got the top four pick. And in that Sam trade, Girard. they got Sam Girard. Yeah. So not bad. Some great moves. They're loaded. They really, like, they can afford to have Jack Johnson playing D for them. Like, that's all that needs yeah. to be said. Like, I, I really like their four checking on there. We talk about Tampa's four checking a lot. Colorado's got a fantastic four check on there too. Like just like very niche guy. Like not, I don't want to say niche, but like just certain guys like Arturi Lekkinen's a great mm-hmm. four checker. Valerie Nachushkin, obviously McKinnon is fast as hell. Landis Cogs, another really good one in there. Uh, Ka- I think was Kadri a good four checker? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but the thing out. I want to point out with Colorado is this is depth guys. Okay. Yeah. We've had this argument. The, the Engvall, the Kosh, the Mikheyev, the whoever. Okay, I know, small sample size. So, McKinnon, 11 goals. Fantastic. Landeskog, 8 goals. Kadri, 6 goals. Arturi Lekkanen, 6 goals. Okay? Wow. We'll ignore Makar and Taves. Miko Rantanen, 5 goals, 17 points. Nichuskin, 5 goals. JT Comfer, 5 goals. So, again... These guys have only played 14 games. It's not all that much hockey. Didn't Comfer had like a, he, didn't he, in coming into the playoffs, have a crazy goalless streak? Yeah, but <laughs> look what happens, right? This is the depth scoring you need. And I didn't even mention Burakovsky, who's been injured. He has one goal, five points. Like, they have seven oh. forwards. Logan O'Connor's another really good four-checker. They uh, have, Obey Kubel. Those, yeah, those are their depth guys that just play defense, which is fine tab. But again, mm-hmm. they have seven forwards who've all chipped in significant goal scoring production and two defensemen who scored five goals each as well. That's why they're winning. Like, and that, does, again, doesn't include Burakovsky, who had 60 points this year. 60. So yep. that's what it takes to win. I, if you're a Leafs fan, take a look at that and say, do I see seven guys in the Leafs roster who could have put those goals up? I don't know. Let's maybe let's look for that next year. That's just something I want to point out. Yeah, I think I want to take a look. Number of hits as well. I feel like they those guys forecheck hard and they hit a lot. I don't think you get that really from. Well, the, I, the, also the, the best the best thing they do is their elite players are so good off. They're again the best rush team I have ever watched with my eyes. Yeah. Like they are nonstop coming at you forwards D in waves and then. Little break for your fourth line, Cogliano, Abe Kubel, Darren you know, Helm. Darren Helm, those guys chip away, chip away, and then right back to it. Four check, four check, four check, four check. And it's it's a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. And then Annette, I mean, they have their backup playing in net. Right doesn't now, even so matter. Like, doesn't it doesn't even... matter. That's what's crazy. They they have 901 goaltending in the playoffs. Wow. 901 overall. Yeah, that makes sense. And they've lost two games. And uh, I know their goal saved above, above expected is. Like, it's below expected. They're in the negative. Minus four and a half. Yeah, so it hasn't been... It's yeah. not like they've been facing easy... Sh- and they're 12 and two. Crazy. Yep. I mean, uh, it's their year, and they deserve it. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Again, Tampa has... There's something about Tampa. Mm-hmm. So what does Tampa go say after they beat the Leafs? They're a really good team. They have every piece, and they want it. But mm-hmm. we also have every piece, and we want it too. Right? That's yeah. kind of what... It's been carrying them through. So we'll get into that more in a second. Mm-hmm. Let's finish off with with this series a little bit more um, with Francis. I mean, he had game two and three. I thought he played pretty darn well in there. 
Game four got away from him, I'll call it. There was a few goals that were were kind of questionable, but, but like he's a he's a fine goaltender, I'd say. I mean, it's whatever. He's not like fantastic. He's not Darcy Kemper at his peak, but he's better than Darcy Kemper when he's blind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, his his regular season numbers are good. Francis, yeah, nine sixteen, two fifty five, yeah, does the job. I mean, also you got to think like he was on the shelf for how long? Oh, not wow. starting any games, and then to have to get back into it in the playoffs was it? No, no, his first game was was at home, so you had that going. But yeah, to then have to go on the road in the playoffs in Edmonton too that that crowd was rocking. But they identify this because they extended him midway through the year. Yeah. Two years, two mil. So th- I think they, even as like yeah. a backup to a, like Kemper leaving, like we want this guy to at least be a part of our tandem going forward. So mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a decent goaltender. Decent goalie. And he came in and he did his job. What's got- crazy, though, too, about Pavel Francouz is that I don't think he played last year. He had, he had some injury issues. I think it was concussion issues. Yeah, he didn't play. After, no, no. after It was in the playoffs in the bubble. When they had to put in Hutchinson, he went down with, I don't know what injury. Yeah. And then he had to miss a full season. And then to then see him come back this year and play as well as he did, like, it's pretty awesome to see, right? 100%. So we'll see who they start in the play, who they're comfortable starting in the playoffs. I know Kemper was backing up in game four. So we'll see there. I do want to touch on extensively. The Mike Smith experience. And I mean, for Oilers fans, this is absolutely not new. Like, it's funny because he'll go on swings for 10 games where he can't stop a beach ball. And then he'll go on another 10 games where he has a 940 save percentage. And that literally happened this season. But what was fun in the playoffs is he would go through those swings during a game. Oh, my God. It's crazy. like when you look at the numbers, like he put up some good numbers in the playoffs, especially in that series against Calgary. Against against Calgary, he was all right. He had some oh, against decent. Dallas, you say, uh, or against Colorado? Which series? Everything. I think all of them. Yeah. Overall, especially though against Colorado, I would say total in the playoffs. I'll just read it off: eight and six, nine thirteen save percentage, three three seven goals against average with a quality start percentage of only 500 and two really bad starts. Like, his game ones were just utterly atrocious. He but sh- he, that, that Calgary series, I thought he shut the door down the stretch pretty well. That's, that's what I was... Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. But in the Calgary series, he also went through some gaffes like he did in, uh, in this series here. Like, when you look at it, like, first game, three goals on 10 shots, and then next game, three goals on 40. One goal on 33, three goals on 32. But, like, in the Colorado, in the Calgary and even Colorado series, like, the goals saved about expected. So, like, how many goals you would expect, expect the average league average goaltender to stop? He was above that. However, some of the goals he gave up were just so goddamn bad, they were inexcusable. They should be counting as two goals, essentially, against that stat line there. And I, I don't know how some people can just, like, like I saw some people on Twitter just go, like, oh, I didn't watch, but uh, by the looks of it, like, Edmonton wants this guy shipped out of town, and they want him kicked out of Canada, and he's got a two goals above expected. It's like, okay, well, yeah, he gave up a muffin straight to the guy to an open net. That is nobody's fault other than your own. 
His puck playing was so damn bad in these playoffs. And you know how you... Like, that is the easiest thing to solve. When it's, oh, he's got a bad glove hand. Got a bad blocker hand. It's tough to solve that. When it's your puck playing, dude, just stop. (laughs) It was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. But I'm surprised you haven't brought up the most annoying part about watching Mike Smith. Oh, the hands in the air. It doesn't matter if it was the... There was 10 dudes in front of him. Or there was the clearest shot ever. He throws his hands up like he got interfered with, or he got screened, or it was. It's never his fault. It's no. it's honestly so annoying to watch. Did you see? I think it was the Colorado's last uh, regulation time goal, where he gave up a muffin to them, and then they scored on that play, where like he slams his stick and then just tosses it like, oh, yeah. during just the chucked game. Chucked it in the middle just of the chucked ice. Chucked it yeah. into the middle of the He's ice. He's a wild man. Yeah, like. His his style is just I don't know how it still works to be honest. Like I understand oh he's forty years old, obviously the body isn't what it used to be. However, like it's just so sloppy. And like you see it when he slides, like his just his the top of his body like folds over and I, I almost every single time he makes a good save, I'm utterly shocked because he's so just flopping all over the place. It's not like a Dominic Hasek flop. It's like literally like just terrible form. But yeah. Like, yeah, Mike's, Mike's, I could not imagine being an Edmonton fan and having to deal with, with that because that was an experience to yeah. say the least. Yeah, it was I, like, can I pose a question to you guys? Yeah. If it wasn't this year, how's Edmonton going to win with their current makeup of guys around McDavid? Uh, he essentially had the best playoffs we've seen in 20 years, points mm-hmm. per game-wise. He had 33 points in 16 games. The last guy to score 30 points in a playoffs was Malkin, and he made the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> like, it's crazy. He, he, yeah. might have, he might have been close to Gretzky-Lemieux numbers here, yeah. and they didn't win a game past the second round. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a great, great question, because especially considering Leon Dreisaitl, who even though he was hurt, he still played... 33 pretty, pretty fantastic. 16 like, games. Just crazy. Absolutely crazy how well he played. And, and I I don't like the cap is whatever, but they, they really, really got a gift in getting a Vander Kane at only $2 million. This year, yeah, but he, that's not happening. But that's not happening again. Exactly. So having that sort of. It wasn't of, really a gift. It came with some stipulations. Yeah, yeah but, you st- know. but still, 13 goals in 15 playoff games for only two, a, a player you're playing, paying $2 million. You're never going to get that again. No, it was free. They got a free, like, first-line power forward. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, like, to have the pieces follow the way they do, it's just hard. It's going to be hard to see. I, I really don't know. It was Again, it was free asset-wise. It was not free public relations-wise. Yeah, but that, that has nothing to do with, like, <laughs> us analyzing the roster, right? I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would have said don't sign him at all but mm-hmm. yeah he went in and did his job so you can't like yeah depends if you believe in second chances it. or like fifth chances if yeah. it's his case but like he he can't he no issues off the ice no issues on the ice played really well meshed with mcdavid mcdavid liked him but i saw on twitter he already put like a thank you edmonton kind of yeah. hinting at it's probably done there for him so there goes your first line left uh, winger, left winger. Power so forward. Mm. so I don't know. And they only have $7 million of cap space. Yeah, and that's that's how much you would... That's the starting number. That no, he, he'll make around insane. there. Wow. For Edmonton, he said he would... I think the report was he'd take seven. Everywhere else, he'd take eight. So And again, like a lot of credit was given to this team in the makeup, which, you know, they made way further than the Leafs. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at some issues going forward on their yeah. cap. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially with Evan Bouchard coming up after this upcoming year. It's and like, you got Pugliarvi and Yamamoto this year as RFAs, who both had mm-hmm. pretty productive years. So who knows what's going to happen they're paying there. Duncan Keith five and a half mil. Yep. Someone at math yep. tell me how to budget this. They're also <laughs> paying Tyson Berry four and a half for two years. Oh, they're, there we go. They're paying, you know, CC at 3.25 is like their best D contract. <laughs> yeah, I know. Crazy. Zach Cassian's making 3.2. Nurse for two kicks more in years. at 9.25. Wow, yeah. that was hefty, eh? And now he has to have hip surgery. That, that was, always, they that kinda, always bodes They well kind of boned themselves for like being, he was like the first of those RFAs to sign. It was like right after the year before McCarr or, and then they all kind of Riley too. They all came mm-hmm. in like under his deal, which kind of sucks. But yeah, I mean, I think Edmonton's kind of in a situation where they gotta pay guys to yeah. play there, though. So yeah, I do want to bring up like, you guys moved off of Vander Kane. I mm-hmm. do want to go back. He took some really bad penalties that could have costed. Like I, I want to bring like when you analyze a player, like we don't really bring up penalty differential that much. And I've seen someone value it too much, but like. It is something really big and something you got to think about when you're giving up a penalty like that. I like he gave up like he had that five minute major uh, against Kadri. He had what was the other? He got suspended for a full damn game. Uh, on top of that as well, but like with him, like it, like when you give up a penalty, just a minor penalty, you're tripping whatever. Think about the other team, what their power play is operating at, especially Colorado. And just how costly that is. Like Colorado was what at twenty five percent, I want to say, on the power play. So that means you give up like one penalty that you give up. That's worth kind of point two five goals. Would you not? Would you not say? Yeah, about yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the so penalty it, differential wasn't great on that mm-hmm. one. Well, and that play he did on Kadri was idiotic. Yeah, right? that was stupid. Moron. It was Momentum so changer in that game, and then, and then he tried they to argue. Didn't, <laughs> they didn't have him in the next game, which was also a huge loss. But yeah. But Mike Smith did shut the door on that power play. You gotta say, good. In Credit in that there. in that series though, in this series that we're talking about, the Avs, uh, Avs Edmonton, the the he had nine penalty minutes. He had still had the one five minute major, and I guess two two fours or mm-hmm. two sorry two twos, and he drew zero penalties. So that's like net, really bad. So yeah, um, yeah. And going back to this guy Corey S. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but shut down at shutdown line on Twitter. Great follow. He did his microstack game scores, and McDavid was number one in the series, actually. And then the closest oiler next to him was Leon Dreisaitl, and he was five, six, seventh overall. Wow. So there were five other players on the Avs ahead of him. And then after Dreisaitl, there was just way down the list. Like just, just the entire Avs team. And then you can Edmonton. see, yeah, like just <laughs> the Avalanche that had just so many more players that were better than the guys that were on the Oilers, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It's true, though. That you can see their roster. And yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. But we got notable goal scorer, Zach Hyman. Good for Zach Hyman. Good for How Zach many goals Hyman. did he get in? 11. 11. That's insane. <laughs> how, many get, how many did he get last playoffs? One. Questionable. He got, he got one in each playoff. That's up for debate. That one, too. That, yeah, that wasn't a goal. I, sorry, I, f- I keep forgetting every time. That is not a goal. That is Mitch Marner's goal, and I will stand by that. How but. about um, just to go off of move away from playing stuff? How about the Oilers' owner? That what video. About <laughs> that guy looked like he had not slept in three days. Yeah. Or is that just the average man in Edmonton? I don't know. Like. <laughs> That guy looked so messed up. His hair was so disheveled. He looked half awake, and his skin looked so dry as well. But 
Yeah. The Edmonton crowd did give you did give us a lot of content there. Oh, yeah. uh, I posted this morning because uh, I was rewatching game three at game three. Someone had a jersey that just said that said Nuge, but like N O O O O O O D G E ninety three. I don't know why you would ruin a jersey like that, but sure. Anyhow. Any other notes that you guys had on not this series? Re- not really. Kind of about this series, not really, but just the, the biz stuff with TNT when he shaved his head was oh, absolutely was hilarious. That was like a, a, a top five playoff moment for me this year. It was hilarious watching that. Oh, that just, just just seeing him with the, the mustache. The mustache and he kind of pulled it off. Though. He pulled it off. He looked know. good. Yeah, it's just it's just hilarious to see. But, yeah. That is. That was, that was uh, it's good when you see that because it gets more eyes on the sport. It's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's TNT true. feed looks fun. So they do they do it so much better. Like I, I, I mean, thing is with Sportsnet, like their big thing, it's it's so focused on like just analyzing mm-hmm. small plays, whatever. And they do that stupid whip around circle oh, yeah, desk garbage. So you're like half the time you're looking at the back of someone's head, <laughs> kind of thing. That like I mean, like T. Then you go to TNT. They do, obviously, the simple panel, which is what it should be. This table should be thrown out a window. Um, it's just just guys talking puck. Yeah, it's yeah. not that complicated, really. <laughs> they make it way more complicated than it needs to be. But I know. I know. But any closing thoughts on this Avs-Oilers series here? Avs are a wagon. Oilers, oh, hey, we'll see what happens going forward. I think they got to make a big splash. Even though they don't have a ton of cap space, they have movable pieces. So, like, they got to add someone. Yeah, they got to. We'll see. I, I think it'll be. Well, in that especially. Like, are you going to roll Mike Smith again? Well, they get Koskinen off the books. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, who who's the. But that's only 7 million. Ca- like, I wonder how hard they're, they're going to yeah. go out of goalie. Or are they going to trade for will. a young goalie? Or Oh, so, actually, good. Very, very good point. Because Thank they you. have Stuart Skinner. That's true. As their number three from this he past year. He played a year. lot this year. He played a good amount. He's a pretty good goaltender. He's developing very nicely. He looks a lot more agile than what we saw in his than what I saw in his draft year. Right? Pretty got some good size to him. Decently mobile, I would say. He's improved headed like just a, I I can't believe how much he improved from last year to this year because last year he had one game I think he gave up eight goals or something like that. It was some of the worst goaltending I've ever seen. Like I've never seen a guy other than Mike Smith, go from 6-3 to just a shriveled-up-looking 5-4 guy in in one movement like that. Like he, He's a big guy, but he looked small on, when he goes in. He was looking small when he went into his butterfly. Everything would just drop. And now he looks a lot more agile. His form looks a lot better. So now you've got a weird, weird situation with that. I think we've talked about earlier in the year. You've got a young goaltender who probably should be your backup, You've got a forty-year-old who probably should also be your should not be your starter. Should not or like should not play fifty games in a year. Basically, probably should not be on your roster. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah. But they, they but so who's going to start? <laughs> Mike, I think they're going to use it as a cap efficiency. Mike yeah, Smith maybe. for two mil and Stuart Skinner for an entry-level deal, and that's what they're going to go with. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> if it but works, you just said Mike Smith played well in the playoffs. He did. To be fair, he did. And and this this played well at times. He also gave up a lot of really <laughs> bad agree. goals. But that's what maybe you're hoping Stuart. Like I think that's definitely an option for them. Yeah. You just got to hope that like, the duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl can offset. Like 
I'd be hoping Stuart Skinner plays next year, 20 games, but gives you a 905. It's something to start with. It's not anything fantastic. But, like, that's also the hope. Like, you'd hope then Mike Smith, what, is he going to start 50 games? You need to sign, like, a Hutch or a mid Mid level like two way Hutchinson. That's well. Who else could they like sign? a third goalie who is an AHL goalie? If they but sign also a real goalie. Stewart's going to talk about third goalie. When you're looking at third goalies, the quality you're getting is Michael Hutchinson, Louis Domingue. But if they sign someone better than that, how does Stuart Skinner play? Because you, you're going to sign someone for more than a million who's on so a one way contract. No starter, raw yeah. dogging it out there. Don't know with a forty year old. They went. They went, did that <laughs> this year. Like they literally did that. Miko Koskinen was worse than a Michael Hutchinson. That's this year. yeah. Was he actually? He went on a hot streak. At times, he was worse. He had a 903 with a 345 games. Wait, how bad do you want to do that Koskinen for Mrazic deal that I proposed at the deadline now? Or that that guy proposed? Yeah, that would have been a great deal. That would have actually now. Looking back, damn it. I said no to that. That was before. That was, a, that was after, like, what, the first groin injury? I'm just. I'm Kevin Papetti's no I'm groin. Just fully expert, hindsight but yes, he was, he was correct on that one. I got to. Dig that one up and so he was twenty seven, twelve and twenty seven wins, twelve losses, four overtime losses with a nine oh three and a three ten goals against average. Yeah, it's not great. Well, look at his last like ten starts. He was fantastic. So now you're a Koskinen guy. I'm not. This, you're a Koskinen. Guy. I'm not. <laughs> you want him on the Leafs? He's a UFA. Let's sign him. <laughs> I would rather a tandem not. of Koskinen and Mrazic? Wow. Oh my, oh my god. No. <laughs> no. Just no. Even if even if we got just paid no. to do that, I wouldn't I wouldn't be. No. Yeah, nine eighteen in his last what seven starts here, but anyways, anywho, with the Oilers, um, a lot of fluid moving pieces there. But good to see uh, Cody Cece, our old friend, oh succeeding. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, quickly before we move on to the next series, um, yes. who, who do you guys think from the Avs is like your con, like a Con Smythe Trophy watcher? Like, what, what are you guys thinking for the Avs? That's a real tough question. <laughs> I would go with Kel McCarr. Okay. Yeah, him. Uh, yeah, him or McKinnon, probably. Yeah, probably McKinnon. McCarr for sure, just because yeah. of how what he's doing in his position, right? So he's got yeah. this thing from the point. I like to call it the booger flicker five thousand. <laughs> just walks the line and just a wrist flick through traffic all day, posting in. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's funny because like he has twenty two points, but he's not like there's nothing abnormal about his twenty two points if you look at it, like. He has five goals, but he has 51 shots. It's not like he's shooting like 30%. Mm -hmm. Like Devin Taves has five goals on 34 shots. Like that's more of a aberration than what Makar's doing. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's just that good. And he's playing 27 minutes. And a lot of the question around him was his defensive abilities. He has done a really solid job so far. And he's so good moving the puck up the ice. Doesn't really matter. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was probably late on Makar. I was like, ah, well maybe Heiskanen's better or, Quinn Hughes, that was so wrong. He's like by far right now the best defenseman going. He's one of the best three players going right now. Yeah. yeah. Who are the other two? He's got that excitement. Like on on Colorado? No, no. The best. Wait, what? The best three players in the league. Matthews, McDavid. Yeah, and McCarr. That's what I would say. I think that's. And then maybe probably McKinnon. I really like McKinnon for that. And Dreisaitl, too. I'll give Dreisaitl his dues. McKinnon's Tyreek Hill. That's the comp. He's just (laughs) bang and he's gone. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that comp right there. That's where, like, if you play tight D on, McKin- on like, the Avs team, like, they just have so many guys that can move the puck so well themselves that they can slice right through it. So, 
Like nobody talks about Landeskog. He has eight goals and seventeen points I in was, fourteen games. That's that's crazy. That's insane. I, I don't know. That how would be some that guys, some stars, like best playoff of their career. Ranton and two seventeen points in fourteen. They're games. They're insane. Like and Ranton steps in and plays center when Kadri gets hurt. Like, not bad. <laughs> I mean, this team. It's <laughs> they insane. deserve to win. We'll see what happens, but they deserve to win. I know, I know, but yeah. Anyways, and one more thing, like. Identifying Lekkonen and Manson, those are not the top dogs of the deadline. Those are not the seriously Giroux or you have to give up a good amount for Lekkonen. Second and a third? Mm. No, they give a second in that prospect. I forget his name. Yeah, second and Bear. Bro- Bear. What's his name? That was Manson, though. Oh, was that Manson? No, that was Arturi Lekkonen. I'm in the process of looking it up right now, but I believe it was a first. Baron, I think is you said that Baron. Justin Baron, yes. Yeah, it was Justin Baron in a no, second. No, it was Baron a second. Yeah, so. That's not bad at all. No, it's not. Well, like considering you just brought them to the the finals, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So they did a, a second, a second, and a prospect for Manson and Lekin. Is that correct? Do I have that correct? Uh, yeah, something like that. No, they gave they gave up their first, first for Kemper. For, oh, okay. In okay. the off season, Kemper half retained. Yeah. So Drew Hellison a oh, second. It Kemp. It was Kemper and that defenseman that used to play for Sault Ste. Marie, I believe. He's a decent prospect. Yeah, but, but beyond that, Anyways. like, so they gave two seconds and two prospects to get Lekkonen and Manson. Like, that's pretty terrific. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Like, the Leafs know. knocked it out of the park giving a second and a third for Giordano and Blackwell. Was it? I think it was two, two seconds. seconds. So two, two, two mean, seconds for Giordano and Blackwell. Both of those guys are contributing a lot more than those two guys did for the Leafs. So you got to give, like, no one's talking about that. That's the thing. Yeah. And the Leafs made a great deal, but frick, Colorado made it. An amazing deal. And, again, they get those guys, and they put them in the perfect spot to succeed. And guess what happens? Such a coincidence. They succeed. Yep. I hate to see it from our end. But, yeah, like, it's crazy. Like, Colorado, like, what else can you say about Colorado? Sam Girard, one of their top defensemen, goes down. Nazem Kadri goes down. They're dealing with players that are playing that are injured. And they still just swept the conference finals, handedly. Yep. At that too. Like just like think about that. Mm-hmm. Compare it <laughs> again. Well, not to compare everything to the Leafs, but imagine that on the Leafs, those losses, right? Yeah. Crazy. What's the equivalent of losing those guys for the Leafs roster? Um, well, second line center. Wouldn't Taver- that be Tavares? Tavares and and. Morgan, TJ Brody, Tavares and TJ Brody off your, off your roster and Jack Campbell. Cause, cause Darcy Kemper got her. So take Tavares, Brody and Jack Campbell off your roster and then yeah. sweep the Oilers. That's yeah. insane. We yeah. couldn't even beat Montreal without right. J- JT and, yeah, and Jake Muzzin. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. So that's true. Um, yeah. See, so, yeah, I'm probably not going to complain about injuries anymore. <laughs> like, because I kept saying, oh, they never get a healthy playoffs. Columbus, they lost Muzzin. Montreal, they lost JT and Muzzin. Like, oh, what was me? And then Colorado loses second line center, top four defensemen. Eh, no problem. And, Tampa Bay, and they're starting goalie. And Tampa yeah. Bay loses Braden Point. And Tampa Bay loses Braden Point. And they're up 3-2 in the conference finals. Before we get into the other series that is going on, gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner And our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. 
Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T, manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. Let's get into some Rangers Tampa. What have you guys liked about this one so far? Because I know it's not, you guys were saying it off off, cam, off uh, camera, air, voice, recording, whatever. It hasn't been as exciting as the Oilers one, but... I've kind of enjoyed this one more. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't mean to be Mr. Hyperbole, but somehow Tampa Bay is that team that they just get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, down 2-0, was anyone concerned for Tampa down 2-0? Mm-mm. No. And what did they do? I said it to you last op- episode, mm-hmm. right? I was like, have you ever been less concerned about a team that was down 1-0 ever? No. And then they went down 2, and it was like, okay, they're going back home, though. Yeah. So it's like... Eh, whatever. And it kind of, like, even last year against the Islanders, they went to seven games and won one nothing. At no point did I think the Islanders were going to beat Tampa. Especially in that game. That no. game seven, it was just such a lockdown. It was like, to compare, do you remember when Canada beat USA? I think it was one nothing in the quarters. Yeah. In the 2014 Olympics. It kind of felt like that. Just it was just down. like, lock it down. You're not scoring anything. But, unfortunately, I felt like tonight, like, game five was a lot more defensive a lot less trading chances, a lot less rush opportunities back and forth. And so it did lead to a less exciting game. Hopefully game six we get away from that nonsense because the first four game first four games I thought were pretty entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. But Yeah. Uh, it was it's interesting. like we talked about, they can just play really any style and be successful, mm-hmm. which is so mm-hmm. rare. But that's a testament to their group and their, you know, their team building philosophies and the guy tending the goal. Right. Like, I didn't think he played well at all the first two games. That's not a hot take. He was pretty trash. Oh, Spazileski. Oh, Spazileski. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Last two games, 933, 971 save percentage. Just Mm -hmm. how that's how they do it. Like, he's the backbone and Mm kind of he can bring you back into a series. And that's what they've pretty much done there. Yeah. They've got a – I don't know what his save percentage was tonight. I'm pretty sure it was pretty solid, but – He made that huge split save. Huge save. At the end. And like two minutes, They have minutes all left. the momentum now. Like I know. Going back home, too. I still think maybe it's a seven-gamer, but I still think Tampa's going to take be. it. With Vasilevsky, I thought game two I, – I, I thought he played pretty well in game two. I wouldn't fault him really on any of them. The Zibanejad goal, I tried to break down as much as possible. Just – the fact of the matter is it was a rocket of a shot and it hit like the middle of the post. Like it, that's just, that's a really, really tough one to stop there. Uh, yeah. That's just all I could break it down to was this is a really, really good shot by Zibanejad. And the one thing I, one part of these games that I absolutely love is just watching Zibanejad tee off rocket one timers, especially on the power play. They feed, he, I think he's, teed off about three or four one-timers every single game in this series. And it's so entertaining to watch. But unfortunately, he hits the glass more than he puts it on net. So not really the most helpful with him, with it. But 
one thing I wanted to bring up with this Rangers offense, uh, games one to four, we saw a very, very aggressive Andre Miller and Adam Fox on defense, joining the rush a ton. Like there was times I saw Andre Miller trying to forecheck on his own. And then game four, we saw Tampa Bay absolutely rip them apart. That was one thing I had my thumb on to say, like, got to watch out for this. I wonder if the Rangers kind of reel it back. They did and, you know, only gave up two goals. One was pretty late in the game, but resulted in only one goal four, right? You didn't really get any rush opportunities. You didn't, I mean, how off, How great did Adam Fox look tonight? Did you guys notice him too, too much? Not, I didn't. I could be wrong, but. No. Yeah. Nothing. I didn't I didn't really see any offensive attack from Miller or Adam Fox and they were two guys that were really driving the offense in the mm-hmm. first four games. So they did take that trade off and unfortunately it didn't work out for them. But it's good analysis. I think next game I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, do you think they get away from that next game or stay with that plan and try to grind out a one goal win? kind of like they did tonight. It's tough to beat Tampa on the road. Like John Cooper's so dialed in with his lines and his matchups. Like it's tough. It's going to be hard. I really, I don't have a good answer to that. I think it's going to come down to like, can Shostyurkin steal one for them? That's it's I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Hyperbole right now, but that's, that might be what it is though. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's th- what th- it's been all year. I think you could say that he really stole this. He stole the second game. And I think the first game was like, like we talked about on that, on the, the podcast last week, it was just some, really good variance in, in the New York Rangers favor where they were getting like a significant amount of like opportunities through the slot. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly something that Tampa Bay has paid attention to and noticed. Mm-hmm. And it seems like has really tidied up as the series has and gone on. Shostakovich almost stole game three. Like that could have been this. They were up two nothing. He's playing unreal, mm-hmm. but Tampa just kept coming at him. How many? 50, 50 something shots. 53. I want 52 to say. shots. 52. Like, <laughs> Not it's bad. it's tough when you and that was like Tampa turning it on though they yeah. they knew and it's crazy that they, they just flipped the switch like that it's yeah. impressive you got I got a great game two like Tampa really did turn it on late in the game I want to say nine minutes left or so you're wincing there this is I'm good I'm good beyond your Jordan pot Jordan <laughs> flu game over there it's funny doing a podcast like almost I've said it like eight times now in this past year that we've been doing this together like oh this is my Jordan flu game. <laughs> Now Jason's actually battling a, a broken bone <laughs> over there. I'm fine. It's just a little uncomfortable, honestly, getting used to a cast. But anyways, get back on. Don't let me distract Let's you. get back on the horse there. Game two, like, Chesterkin made some huge saves on Steven Stamkos late, late in the game. Uh, there was a couple slide-across saves that he made and then rebound saves on top of that as well that just really shut down the game. And, I mean... Watching Steven Stamkos in these playoffs, I'm not surprised with how many six-on-five goals with his net empty that, or how many points that he had this year because he seems to always get the puck when his team pulls the goalie in good areas and on a one-timer as well. You remember the, the first series, Jack Campbell had to make a massive save. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. And he also fanned on one, too. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, that was a power on the Rangers. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. On, Sorry. Against the, the Rangers, he yeah. did. But, yeah, Shesterk, I mean, the one thing, they don't focus enough on the broadcast. Like, just watch his feet. Because as a goalie, what you're supposed to do when you move across 
to make like when the puck goes from point A to point B and you do your T push across, your best chance of making the save is you're stopping and your feet are set and they're quiet and they're not moving. I feel like he has the strongest, most balanced feet in the game where it doesn't matter if he is, you know, T pushing on his feet or sliding on his knees. Like he's just able to get to where the puck is, be positional and just stop dead and be square to the puck every single time. Like Does that have to do with a mix of like training? Yes. Athleticism. Cause like you see body like, size as well. It seems like, like these Russian goalies, like big athletic technical, all three of those combined, they have the best goaltending like in the world. Mm-hmm. Some it's, it is, it's, it's interesting because him and Vasilevsky are so different. Vasilevsky is just the body type yeah. just lends to being a complete monster. Shesterkin's, Smaller uh, on the Probably smaller end of six yeah, two yeah, yeah. average size, I would say, but his movements yeah. are just so crazy good. I feel like if his limbs were longer, he wouldn't be able to get those clean, efficient pushes like he does, and he wouldn't be able to be as as technically sound as he is. So now I, I got a follow up question for the goalie guru here. Like, it's not a coincidence. Then, how many Russian goalies do you think of that currently play that are like sloppy in the net or have? Poor form, like maybe look like a Mrazic in the net, um, or can't. You know what I mean? Like it seems like that's something that's been coached to them, which I I think has been brought up before. No, and I mean like when you look at it, one of the best goalies of all time, Tretiak, I think really put a num. I, I'm guessing. I'm not. I don't have facts on this, but I think Tretiak really did put a number on Russian goaltender kind of training moving yeah. forward. Like think about how many good Russian goalies there are in the NHL right nice. now. Like Sorokin's fantastic in Long Island. We got Shesterkin. We got Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky in Florida. Nine fifteen. He's won it's two Vesnas. Like yeah, regardless yeah. of what you think now, he's won. Yeah, he's, he has won two Vesnas, and he put up, one of those Vesnas was one of the best goaltending seasons of all time. Yeah. On top of that, too, you got to think about that. So, it is quite interesting to see. I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Scott Darling. Just like how different goaltending is from continent to continent kind of thing it's 100 percent north true. american uh rush russia's in europe so never mind Not, russia separated from like sweden, sweden finland, and finland yeah and all of them so it's kind of interesting very interesting to see but the the main goal it's crazy to see it, all these differing styles and the main goal is just to stop the puck yeah but anywho um did you guys want to i've been talking non-stop for way no too that long. was great i mean yeah no that was good I, I I don't really have much to add. This no. the series has been kind of other than the first game, very pretty pretty low low not not low event, but just Tampa's I mean, Tampa locked Bay it down. China. Like they yeah. it's been pretty low event especially after the Leaf series. Yeah. I'd say after game five of the Leaf series on. Yeah. They've done a good job suppressing offense, chipping in goals when they needed. Like again, it's different without Braden Point. Braden Point mm-hmm. was their best transition player. He is probably their best goal scorer the last two. I can't. I don't know if he has the most goals. I, I think he does. You know, Kucherov's more of a cerebral set the play up, make mm-hmm. the right plays on the bump or on the flank on the power play. But points there, north south, get the puck, rush up the ice, good shot. So they're missing their That's essentially it. most consistent offensive oh, yeah. player. And he's mm-hmm. a guy that like you guys teach kids to be like, like yeah. off the rush, like just watch Braden point. Yeah, he's yeah. unreal, and All that's right. why. And they don't have him, and there's. Again, mm-hmm. they can win any way. I've been saying this. It's very impressive. On on a scale of 1 to 10, pain scale, how tough is it to watch Tampa Bay 
do what they're doing right now, knowing that we've probably given them the hardest go at it in a series so far. It's not year. as painful as Montreal making the finals. <laughs> no, not at all. Watching, watching Montreal, I forget which game it was, get outshot by Vegas. What was it, 24 or something to, to, to two? two? Yeah. And then winning that game the, from Josh Anderson in overtime. The I want to break everything like, in sight. Anyone who knew hockey knew, like, as far as Montreal's going, they're never going to win the cup. Yeah. Like, that team was not good enough. But you still heard that, oh, yeah, look at the Habs. They're so much better than the Leafs. Went so much further. Like, it was true last year. But, like, obviously, they're a complete Fugazi team to make mm-hmm. the finals. Them And, honestly, kind of Dallas the year before, same thing. Like, yeah. Dallas had more skill, at least. Had yeah. better defensemen, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Good yeah. decor. But still, like, both those teams are not Stanley Cup teams. No. No. Dallas is at least interesting because it's like, oh, they have these – skilled defensemen that are able to play two ways. Like, uh, well, who is it? Essa Lindell, Miro Heiskanen, and... Uh, John Klingberg. And John Klingberg there. So, it was it was fun to... It was funner to watch than the typical Montreal, Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber. Was Joel Edmondson on that team? Yeah. I can't even remember. But shut down, cross-check people. Also, I did look sense. it up. Point has led the playoffs in goal scoring last two years. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to comment... I, for, I don't know how I missed it. Kucherov's game three was like, he didn't have the greatest first two. He, he was decent in the first two games, I would say, but not to the level that they needed him, especially in the absence of Braden points offense. His game three was so wildly up and down. Like, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how I don't have it in front of me, but I can't remember how many points he put up in that, but he took, I believe six penalty minutes in that two high stickings. And one of them was a double minor. And the double minor was at probably one of the worst times you could take it. But he was still able to... And it's funny because I just mentioned... I went on that whole spiel about penalties and how it can cost you. And having a guy that takes too many minors can kill you. And he took six penalty minutes in one game and was still like first start of the game, I would say. No doubt about it. Yeah. (laughs) But that was an interesting game. Yeah, three points for for Nikita Kucherov. Six penalty minutes in that one, too. Also, like... Look at his career playoff stats. It's insane. Like, it's insane. Like he's he. It's not a small sample anymore either. Because we were talking about this. Like they made runs though making the finals. Like yeah, he has 148 points in 128 games. That's why when people compare, we're comparing the Leafs to Tampa. Like oh look at Tampa before they won those two cups, they were swept by Columbus. Okay, they also I believe made the third round a few times, made the Stanley Cup yeah. finals with their core guys as well, but. Uh, yeah, sure. They got swept by Columbus. Let's Here, how about this? Like, one. Patrick Kane, I think, is considered one of the clutchest, best playoff performers of our generation, right? Game 6 OT goal, yep. 132 points in 136 games. Kucherov, like I said, has 148 points in 128 games. Yep. What was it? Six, six playoffs with over 17 points? Yeah. So, okay, so let's take out 2013. He had one goal yes. in two games. 18-19, we know what happened. He got suspended. Two points in three games. Other than that, he's always been over a point a game. The last three playoffs, like, significantly above a point a game. 34 points in 25 games. 32 points in 23 games. 21 points in 15 this year. Like, he's one of the, he's good, he's one of the best players of this era. I think people are starting to realize yeah. that. He's got a heart trophy, oh, yeah. too. Like, he's already, he already has, like, a Hall of Fame resume, really. I think he yeah. does two cups on there, but it's two weird cups and a hard trophy. His, his his ratio of like regular season games to playoffs is he's played he's only played five hundred and sixty regular season games. Wow, wow. 
but he's play, he's played 130 playoff games. That's insane. Oh my! So like, what, what would give us like a, a different average? That's almost well, one okay. To so Kane's played 100, say, almost the same 136. He's played 1100 games. Oh my god! Like Sidney Crosby's played 200 playoff games, and he's played how 1100 regular season games. Like oh, he might have more playoff games than Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. And even even comp- he was drafted in 2011. And comparing him to a guy like Andre Palat, who's also drafted in 2011, also a late round pick. Andre Palat has more regular season games. Johnny Gaudreau, who was kind of late into the NHL, also has more yeah. NHL regular season games. So it's kind of crazy to see that. It's so weird because so, that LTIR year, yeah. oh, that's a big part of it. Oh, he yeah, missed the full, sure. and then he missed half of this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you look at Gretzky, one thousand four hundred eighty-seven games played in the regular season. Playoffs, he had two hundred and eight. He's like. That's Wait, one two hundred and eight. Yes, he is. A, that's <laughs> wow. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and gotta think. I mean, they made he won four Stanley Cups. Gretzky. Yeah, Cooch is a playoff. Save it for the playoffs, baby. Oh, yeah. I know. That's so funny though. But he's a sick player. Like, yeah. Even I mean, the Leafs did a pretty good job shutting him down. I think. They, I think yeah. we did too. Yeah. I, I, he. I think he was, Rangers did kind of seven points. Right. Suppress him decently for two games. There, I have his. I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. Uh, oh, never mind. So game two, he had two points. So sick job, you idiots. Minus two in the first game, though. That's uh, they were to be like if the Rangers were to be like Nashville and put up a banner for every small accomplishment. I mean, Kucherov the key to Kucherov one minus two yeah, zero like points in game one. There you go. Drop the banner there. Um, yeah. Did you guys want to touch on any other parts of this series? I, wanna, I think that's pretty much it. Predictions. I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk a little bit about Sergachev. Two points tonight. Both of the goals, uh, both of the plays, I guess he said, I don't know if he got credited for goals on those, takes the puck from off the wall, to the attacks the middle of the ice, and puts the puck through a screen perfectly. He's been doing that exceptionally all playoffs, probably all regular season as well. But he's a, he's a low-key, very good player. Just a sneaky, great move they made. The, the fact they were able to keep him is also shocking because I think everyone thought he is probably going to end up being an odd man out getting traded. But they really, really lean hard on their top 4D Tampa, yeah. and it's you know to great success, really. He actually had the most 5-on-5 five five minutes of any uh, Lightning tonight. So. Sergeyev did? Uh, other than Hedman, sorry. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. But I think it was Thomas Drance did address it on P- when he made an appearance on PDO cast. And he was talking about how all the lightning players all kind of took that bridge. And now they're all coming up this year. And so like, I believe Sergachev on an RFA deal is coming up this year. I want to say one, he has one year. They all have one year main Sergachev, Cernak one year. Uh, I guess Sorelli one more year. Oh, they all have um, one more year. Killorn, one more yeah, year. Yeah, they won two cups. But I swear that didn't did Braden Point get extended the year before his he was up as an RFA? His new contract starts next year or this year? Did it start? His new year? K- contract kicks in next year. Yeah. Yes. So okay, so that's what it was. Early. So they yeah. all have one RFA year left, and he was pointing out how Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and I think that was Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov both took the extensions. Before their last RFA year kicked yeah, in, but that I, so it'll be interesting. But I yeah. don't know the cap stuff's interesting because, yeah. like, even last episode, I listen. You guys did a great job. You were talking about how, like, oh, all these bridge deals are coming up now, like, and now they're gonna have to get paid. Like, still nobody has been paid more than our guys. So, 
Still waiting for that to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, even the guys who got bridged when we said they're going to get bridged, and right, like we said, bridge, we the, said they didn't work last summer. Yeah, the bridge was remember with the Rantanen, bridge, the bridge was lucky. Debate. Like it was that was probably not the play, but because of circumstance, mm-hmm. it absolutely ended up being the play. How, but a lot, but how a lot did of those... our GM not predict a global pandemic. I know, yeah. but a lot of other people had a, their own reasons for the bridge as well. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, I mean, sucks. That's it. <laughs> That's well, it's just, the, I'm sure there's also just going to be a lot of players taking one year deals, walking to free. It's just going to be it, yeah, exciting we'll see. to it see the free agency. It just hasn't happened yet. Is my point. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, we'll see. Or we'll like wait to, to Chuck sign to Chuck signs like nine million or ten million. And signs then, for nine? Oh. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know oh, the answer. God, yikes! But anywho, yeah, that's uh, that's all I had from this series. Game six, I believe, on Saturday. We'll see. Hopefully, it goes to seven. I would really like that, just uh, for selfish reasons. But yeah, same same question for you guys as as it was for the Avalanche. Con Smythe winners for both New York and Tampa. Who are who are on your Who's on your radar right now? I think it's for New York. It's probably it's probably both goalies. For just me. the goalies, you think? I think Kucherov or Vasilevsky. Yeah, probably. Zabanajad or Fox, maybe for New York or no? I would be Shesterkin. Shesterkin, yeah, fair. I mean, it's crazy because we talked about how quiet he he was for so long, but like Nikita Kucherov in certain games, just he's such a difference maker and he takes over so well. Like it's hard to look past him. And, I mean, the other guy you look on here, Victor Hedman, is 13 points in 15 games. He's had a bit of a rough, but, shaky yes. series this series. First two games, he turned over the puck like no tomorrow, and that really, really killed the Lightning. So, can't really give it to him. But, like you were saying with scoring depth, look at this one. Kucherov, seven goals. Palat, seven goals. Stamkos, seven goals. Ross Colton. I saw that, yeah. Five goals. Corey Perry, five goals. Had a nice screen on the, tonight. Nick Paul, seven points. He's been great for them. And one guy that has been performing, Anthony Sorelli. Okay, doesn't matter. Just don't give up any goals because Pat Maroon's even got three goals. <laughs> yeah, but those guys, like like Ross Colton was a 22-goal scorer and like a legit, like shot 13%. Nothing yeah. crazy there, nothing fugazi. Corey Perry, 19 goals, 12. Like those guys are, again, that's part of their talent is that they can Filled score. in decently for points on the power play. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's done an okay job there, but... Yeah, I mean, Vasilevsky, 925 save percentage. Wow. Uh, Jeff Merrick's off-topic called Palat like a, no defense, but like a discount version of like Marion Hosa for this generation. I thought that was a very good wow. comparison. Interesting. Wow, that is a very good one. And like that should be a compliment, right? Like Marion oh, yeah, Hosa's yeah. like a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. And Palat's a basically really, really good winger who can play defensively, fit on any line, does every single thing right, and in the playoffs he comes to play. Yeah. Hopefully he uh, doesn't retire for the same reasons. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. I, I, I'd have to say Kucherov, Smythe for their what about you, for Jason? this series. Uh, I think, yeah. Kucherov or Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky's rocking at 927, which is crazy to me still. But, yeah. That's his career playoff save percentage. Probably 925, 927, 934, something like that. Yeah. Jeez. Oh Jeez, gosh. Louise, I got to tell you. All right. Before we close it off, Bruce Cassidy was fired by the Boston Bruins this week. They're tanking. That's like a legitimate talk. Their GM even like hinted to it. Well, he said, when, did, I mean, when did he say that? 
there's something I saw something on Twitter. Really? About it, like, Interesting. We're considering all options. Like nothing's off the table. Bergeron might retire. Brad Marchand's out till January. Uh, McAvoy till January. McAvoy's out till January. Grizzlick till Grizzlick's January. till January. Like the Pasternak trade stuff is real. That's not like made up. That's really? Real. Yes. So that's real. The the rumor that uh, potential. I yes. saw that like. Not yeah. for sure he's getting traded. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to sit down uh, within a week or so to talk contract extensions. If they're not able to get that done, it is looking like he will be traded because he's a UFA next year. Or that he just wants out, I think. Because I, I feel like he, I, I think what they said is he just doesn't have trust in this management group, which is like beyond fair. Who knows? Right. So, but. I mean, like if you're like Don Sweeney doesn't doesn't seem like he, have a, he has a great history of drafting and trading. So, um I could easily, I could easily see them though, like make, make like a, a, a one, like a move to try and like save them a, a free agency splash maybe, and then he just gets fired next year. Well, it's like, I don't know. Some of it's injury, but then why'd you sign Hampus Lindholm to an extension? Yeah, that's like, weird. That's just, you eight, know what I mean? Eight years. Like just a weird, weird thing. But if you look, if they have no Marshawn, they trade Pasternak, Bergeron's gone. That's a not a great roster. Their, their top four is going to be no. Hampus Lindholm, Brandon Carlo, Derek Forbert, and Jacob. But that's Zaboro not even their issue. The... Like they're the most top-heavy team in the league. We know that they yeah. are run through their first line. Yeah. Their their first line now is going to be Coyle, Hall, and DeBrusque. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Are we talking? Uh, are we talking like how bad? Like you know, like. Yeah. So when does I guess July first Hampus Lindholm's no trade clause kicks in on his new contract? Yeah, I think there's a possible. No. No, uh, no, he'd be kind of funny, but um, I did want to point out with regards to the Bruins, and you said, Jason, you said that uh, in in terms of confidence in Don Sweeney drafting and developing, how funny is it that in 2015 they had three picks in a row in at 13, 14, and 15. They did not trade any of these picks, and they just made selections there on the board. They had Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat. Uh, Yoel Erickson, Colin White, even he's not that good, but whatever. Brock Besser, Konechny, and then in the second round, a ton of guys. Sebastian Ajo in the second round went, and the list goes on. They had one, am I correct? One pick in 2016. Oh, so they had two, but the second one was 29th. They so one pick in the teens in 2016, and they picked Charlie McAvoy. Wild, like the, you know, how <laughs> the hard next this guy is? is Luke Coonan. Think about this so they had three picks in the first round in the middle, pick 13, 14, 15. Okay, Debrusque has been solid, right? Yeah. Solid first round pick. Zaboral and Sinitian have played the two least amount of games of anybody picked in the first round that year. Do you know how hard that is to do? You could they could have taken anyone else and flipped a coin, they would have been better. Like the bottom two production wise players in the first round were both taken by a boss and they had three picks. Like, that's hard to do. Yep. Again, if they literally just took all three of those picks and said, "I'm going to throw a dart at anyone in the top ten on this year," on in this year, they would have been better off. Oh yeah. You want to hear another funny one? In the second round here, uh, the Blackhawks picked Graham Knott, so zero games played. But like everyone from pick forty-five to pick fifty-eight has played NHL games. And then at 60 was Oliver Shillington. Yeah. And he's just like this the This was lone. a really good draft. Oh, yeah. Very, very good draft. Next, The next year was pretty good as well. But, yeah, yeah kind of funny just to look back on that Boston. It's always very funny to look back on and laugh at the Boston Bruins for that draft. But, anywho, 
they've made it out of the round, first round more than us. <laughs> it's true. But so, yeah, well, he didn't even talk about Bruce Cassidy. I think he's a great coach. And I think any team that's trying to get over the hump should probably hire him. Yeah. Boston was saying it was interesting because they said that he was too hard on the young players and it was too hard for them to develop under him. So maybe. Which players are not developing for them? I don't know. All Charlie McAvoy developed pretty well. Brandon Carl developed pretty well. Pastor no developed pretty well. That was just the reasoning I heard. But like what? what is that young, just Jake DeBrusque's agent? Maybe Saboro? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like what What young players do they have coming up other than those guys? They really didn't like, have that Again, they, they had Bergeron who like is the ultimate first line defensive center and. Two they way have, center, even. and they have Marsh on it. Like really good ro- top of the roster. The, their depth this year was not good at no. all. No, not at all. And they probably should have like fifty fifty Carolina series. They could have won that. Like, mm-hmm. Well, it went to seven. So yeah. anyone can win. Anyone can win one of those, right? But yeah, not every, not anyone apparently. Not anyone <laughs> apparently. Sorry, anyone outside of Toronto can win one of those, right? Especially when you give them what five chances. Anywho, but would you, I'll pose the tough question, him or Sheldon Keith? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the former Boston head coach. That's True. not even really close for me, but it doesn't really matter. I think my friend sent me the stats. So I don't know how 100% accurate it is, but I'm pretty sure, like, I'm not, I, was, I, I checked on my phone because it was on my phone when I got it, but I'm pretty sure every single year since he's been in the league, the Bruins have been the number one team in expected goals against, according to natural stature. I buy that. Wow. Obviously, it helps They're having Patrice Bergeron, elite. but they do a really good job of suppressing you, chances. Yeah, when you look at his resume compared to John Cooper pre-Double Cup, like the runs similar. they go on are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Lost in the finals, won a couple rounds here and there. But John Cooper missed the playoffs as well in there, and yeah. Don Sweeney did not. They won right. a lot of playoff rounds with him. Like, he won Jack Adams two years ago. So, yeah, he's a good coach. Someone's gonna scoop him and be very happy. And that again, that was his first time as an NHL. I think he, so he coached sorry, he coached one year for Washington, but essentially his and, first. And that year in Washington, Bates Pataglia came out and said that guy was a joke. Nobody yeah. liked him. Well, clearly, ten years <laughs> later, actually fifteen years later. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Maybe Vegas will hire him. Seems like a right fit. I agree. I agree. What about Barry Trotz of Boston? Probably not, based on their trajectory. But anyways, do you guys have anything else to say on this episode? We stretched it out pretty good. Probably next is going to be Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, hopefully. For sure. Actually, 100% next will be Stanley Cup Finals next time we're talking here. So hopefully we get, uh, uh, yeah. Well, it's going to be Colorado and then a pretty we'll good team. Is, probably yeah. Tampa. Probably. Probably how it's looking right now. But we'll see. We'll see. Anywho, if that's all for this episode, thank you, everyone, for listening. Go Leafs, go.